Are you awake? Yeah. Okay. Got my tea. I'm good. You good? Your eyes look so tired. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Nothing much. It's been a good day. Good. We, uh, yeah. Hung out this morning, then went down to the park, played, came back, and the kids went down for a nap. Well, Ollie went down for a nap, and then Josie ate, and then went down for a nap, and, and then I got to eat and rest. Yeah. Cool. It's been a good day. Awesome. How was your day? It was good. <laughs> Dang. The details. I didn't give any. I know. I was being sarcastic. <laughs> give me some details. It just, it was what it was. <laughs> what did you do today? I went and donated plasma and then I went into work. And, I mean, it's just boring stuff. I'm made slides and I replied to emails and I got some other stuff off my to-do list done and I set up the stages. Oh, well, actually, I take that back. We did record some vocals for this guy's album. Um, JJ and I did that for an hour or two, recording vocals in the studio. So that was fun. Yeah, that's cool. You haven't done that in a while. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else is small talk about. I'm trying to think of things other than weather and our children, but I can't. <laughs> uh, how about politics? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> one thing I will say is that I made chicken fajitas yesterday on the grill. They're so good. And, and you didn't start a fire. No fires were start. I mean, outside of the grill itself, there were no fires started in our fireplace. I did remember to pour water on the hot coals and... It made all the difference at four in the morning when I was still asleep. Yep. So, house is still intact. We're good. We're all alive. Yay. Yep. When I woke up, the few times that I woke up last night with our daughter, I didn't see any flames outside. Yeah. Yeah, I... I like intentionally check too. Not not looking out the window, but you know, just opened my eyes when I woke up and it was not bright in the room. So I was like, <laughs> yes, I win. Yeah, because Josie Take woke that, up Coles. and she was just like screaming. And not not screaming in the sense of like a hurt scream, just in the sense of like testing out her lungs. And I was just like, what the heck? I don't want to get out of bed, but this is annoying. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm, I want her to stop nursing as much during the night. Yeah. So I was trying to just let her like cry it out and go back to sleep. And I could tell in her cry that she was really tired. Mm-hmm. Um, so it probably wasn't going to last very long. And then you coughed. 
And then she started screaming louder because she's like, oh, you're here. <laughs> and I was like, crap. So mm-hmm. then I just got her up and nursed her. <laughs> so uh. she went back to sleep. Yep. Fun, fun. That's how it goes when you have your baby sleeping in the bedroom with you. Yeah. You deal with it. It is what it is. Stage of life we're in right now. One day, I will be able to sleep through the night again. One day, it will happen. I mean, it wasn't that long for Ollie. He was 10 months. Yeah. There yeah, you go. When he started sleeping for like probably like eight to 10 hours yeah. at night. So you're almost there. Well, that doesn't mean that she's going to be doing it then. No, she will. Yeah, you don't know that. <laughs> yeah, she does wake up earlier than he does. Yeah, she's... Her sleeping she's patterns are just different. Different, yeah. Hence why we're recording Thursday night and oh, yeah. instead of Thursday morning. Because she woke up earlier than I thought she would. Yeah. She's been doing that. Yeah. She just... Like, when she when she falls asleep, she sleeps well. And she doesn't have a big problem falling asleep either. Like, if, if she does cry, like, if she's not asleep when I lay her down, she'll cry for, like, at the most, maybe a few minutes. And then she's asleep. But... Like, when she's awake, like, sometimes Ollie will wake up, and he'll just, like, be like, no, I'm still tired. I'm going to go back to sleep. (laughs) She's not that way, like, at all. Mm -hmm. Like, when she wakes up, she's like, I want to play. I want to do stuff. I want to, I'm missing something. Like, something's going on. I need to be a part of everything. Like, yeah, she's just that, like social butterfly that like has to be a part of everything why in, a butterfly? in everything because that's just the term why i don't know that's just what it is are butterflies social do butterflies like other butterflies i assume so because they migrate together hmm. do butterflies get lonely I don't know. I've never been a butterfly. You should ask one. I don't think it would respond. Is loneliness a big deal in the butterfly community? You should do a... What are are those little commercials called? What? What are those commercials called that like bring awareness to things? Oh, a PSA. Yeah. Public service (laughs) announcement. <laughs> Should do a PSA about that. Next time you see a butterfly, <laughs> say hello. Don't just walk on by. Because butterflies are social. Don't smother your kids. Don't smother your kids. <laughs> the more you know. What's that from? What's what from? The more you know? Yeah. That's the name of the PSA. It probably wasn't that, like, it probably had a different jingle, but that's what it's from. 
Just what PSA? Just slogans for a PSA. I, oh. I don't know what. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what group made them, <laughs> but they were played on TV. The more you know. Cool. <laughs> All right. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hmm. What? No, we're just so chatty tonight. Yeah, like butterflies. Apparently. I'm just super social. I just thought about that SpongeBob episode where he's at Sandy's house and there's a butterfly that lands on his like his little um cuz you know when he's at cuz Sandy's house doesn't have water in it. Yeah. So he has to wear that like glass fish bowl on his head basically mm-hmm. with water inside of it and a butterfly lands on the fish bowl and he sees like the butterfly up close and it freaks him out because it looks like a freaky insect like up close mm. and so then he's like afraid of the butterfly the whole time do you he's remember that episode not particularly <gasps> you don't it was like one of the first episodes okay he should have just said hi Social. Butterfly. Yeah. It shouldn't have been so socially awkward with the butterfly. Well, he's Spongebob. He's socially awkward. No, he's not. He gets along with everyone. <laughs> you should do your Spongebob friend. laugh. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> do good. it. Do it. You do it so well. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. <laughs> what do you want to mm-hmm. talk about? Um, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not a man. The interesting things that come to mind for me are just the stuff that I've been reading. So I don't even know if I should talk about them or just like wait till we get to Recos and then talk about them then. Talk about it. I don't know. I don't feel very interesting. What have you been reading? Well, um, <laughs> no, I think I think there's something that I'm forgetting, but I don't really. <clears throat> That's okay. If I forget it, then I just won't talk about it. Um, you know, obviously the the like I said last time, reading the book about Axe, or the like, basically the commentary of Axe by. R.C. Sproul, mm-hmm. that one's really cool. R.C. Sproul is just awesome. Um, he's he's like really humble, which I'm, which is crazy because he did a lot. Um, so that's just super cool. Um, I'm reading this book with a group of guys on Facebook. We put together a little book club, and we read this book on the conscience, which was really cool to think about. Um, just what the conscience is and what the Bible says about your conscience. So that one's really cool. Some of the things that like stood out to me is how, and and this will actually tie into my third book as well, but how um, he, he gave this, the author gave this analogy of a say that um, 
that a man had committed a crime. And so he goes before a jury, you know, to, to be tried for a crime. And then he gets up on the, the judge's bench, I think. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Anyways, he gets in the judge's chair and he acts as the judge for his own, um, for his own court case. Yeah, I, words are hard. I can't think of the right words. <laughs> Anyways, um, you, like that just sounds... His trial? His trial. That's what it's called. Okay. It's called a trial. <laughs> um, it just sounds crazy. Like the same person who committed the crime would being would be the judge. Like you'd automatically assume, well, this isn't a fair trial. Like the judge is just going to throw this case out. And, like he's going to be easy on him. But that's kind of exactly what our conscience is. Gosh, I feel like I'm I am so poorly explaining this, but our conscience is a part of us that judges what we do and judges like it's possible to blunt your conscience um so that it no longer you no longer feel bad about certain things if you continually do them over and over and over again. But we also innately have this sense you like get to ten desensitized. Yeah. But also the fact that we have this innate sense that something is wrong when we commit it. Like before, during, and after we do something wrong, we have our conscience accusing us of that. And it's just it's just crazy to think about because like if you take that picture of the same person judging you, it's like this person inside of us that is us, but it's also a third party because it accuses us. Like you can't silence it. Obviously, like I said, you can, yeah, you can become desensitized, but like it just naturally accuses us. Like that's, it's just a crazy concept that a part of us would not immediately just justify everything we do, but it actually accuses us of wrongdoing. Is that, is that like the Imago Dei part of us? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a part that, that God has put there, mm-hmm. you know, like it says in Romans that we know, we know, um, that God is there. We know right and wrong, not perfectly, but in a certain sense. And so that, that ties into the third book that I've been reading. And I just started this one yesterday and it's kind of blowing my mind a little bit. Um, it's by Francis Schaefer. It's called, he is there and he is not silent. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Um, but it's basically like it's turned into sort of like a a short book on philosophy because it starts off and it talks about, you know, just like the um, the title, you would assume that it's talking about God being there and what God does. But he, he starts off and he just makes these arguments of why of, of how you can know that there's a God basically. And it's been really cool because, you know, I've, I've talked about it here on the podcast before, but there's a podcast that I've been listening to. That's basically, um, you know, the one that Derek Webb is putting on Mm. and that talks a lot about people's experiences. Somewhat sort of kind of leaving the Christian faith. Hmm. Like a lot of it is kind of centered around that and like issues that people have with Christianity. That's depressing. It is. It is depressing. 
Um, but like I've said here on the podcast, one of the reasons I listen to it is to hear someone's perspective who is going through something like that. Like, I think it's good to know how people think, if that makes sense. Yeah. And like, so I'm not caught off guard when someone brings up something like that, if that makes sense. And I mean, just even the sense of empathy. But it's interesting because like I listen to something like that where people are just like angry at a God they don't believe in. And then, I mean, not everyone, but a lot of it seems that way. And then I'm reading this book that is so very strongly like God, there is a God. I mean, it's it's just like the, the complete opposite where it is very, very strong. Like you have to believe in God. Like, um philosophically there is no other answer to the questions of life other than the judeo-christian god like um he brings up he brings up the, and this and this is it makes my head spin like it starts off and it makes sense that it's like pretty simple to follow but then it just ramps up and he goes into all these different like epistemological arguments and um thoughts about like uh, morality and whether morality is even an actual um, an actual thing because you can't believe in morality without moral absolutes otherwise it's just a it's just semantics right and if um, we're all just stardust then morals don't even matter right right morals don't matter another thing that he br- brings up in this book is personality so um and and I love the term that he uses. He he calls it the mannishness of man <laughs> is that he has personality. Like no other creature has a personality. They have instinct, but they're not personal like we are. And um so basically therefore Some dog owners would very much disagree with that. Yeah, well <laughs> uh <sighs> I think I think animals can exhibit certain traits, but they don't have a personality. They are not personal. Um, it's it's just interesting the argument that he makes of how the creator of all things must therefore be must have personality. He must be personal if we are to be personal as well, or else all personality is not only. Um, completely pointless, but it is therefore a complete abnormality in all of creation, in all of existence. Like we are the only creatures with personality. So it alienates us from the rest of creation. But then also, and I say creation because I know there is a God, but all of all the rest of existence. And, um, Oh, and he brings up the idea of um, unity and diversity and how if, if, like you said, we are all just stardust and it's all just a cosmic accident and there is no creator, then the, um, it doesn't make sense logically because th- then things that would be created, things that would exist, would all be uniform. There wouldn't be um, differences in, there wouldn't be a diversity of things. There would be the thing that is created and that thing would continue to 
be a thing and it would create more things that are uniform and not diverse. Um, or else all would be chaos and there would be absolutely no unity and all things would have an entirety of diversity. Um, I know that, again, this is hard to track because like my mind was blown when it was explaining it, but how, <coughs> excuse me, how only the Christian God answers that question because the Christian God is both, um, b because he is a Trinity, there is both unity because he is one God and diversity because he is in three persons and no other explanation of a creator meets those same standards. And it's things like that where I'm just like, oh my goodness, like this guy has thought about these things a lot. I, I haven't really studied philosophy. I've read like a basic primer on philosophy by R.C. Sproul, actually. The Consequence of Ideas was kind of an, his overview of philosophy. And that was basically like talking about a lot of um, kind of the history of philosophy and a lot of different philosophers and their ideas mm. individually whereas this one is more a it's more centered around the ideas themselves and how they play out and what their errors are basically hmm. so that anyways, would be really interesting yeah it's just it's just like i said it's blowing my mind because it's <laughs> it's hard to follow like you have to really concentrate because it can be so abstract and yet he grounds it a lot in experience as well. So even things that we mm. experience, I mean, like, like I'm talking about personality, you know, is something that we experience. It's not something that's purely rational, but it's something that we know is there. You know, the conscience is not purely rational. It's not something that, um, you know, scientific, but it's something that we know is there. We intrinsically know. And one of the, one of the last things um, that, it was talking about when I, where I've, where I have left off is just how regardless of, um, what you say, you believe you act as if the Christian God exists. Like you live in a world, despite how chaotic you believe it is or how, whether you believe in scientism, you know, whether you believe everything is purely rational, well, you don't live that way because you live by your urges and by your, um, you live to satisfy yourself and you live to find your own pleasure. That's not rational. Um, or whether you believe that, you know, all is chaos. Well, you don't live that way because you live in a house and you put clothes on every day and you brush your teeth. Like you do these things because for a rational reason, it's not all chaos. Um, and so it just hammers home the point that like only the Christian God satisfies philosophically. Hmm. So anyways, I'm I rambling. I don't know that I've made <laughs> much sense. Forgive me um, and just go read the book because it makes a lot more sense if you're paying attention. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Cool. How about you? Did you want to talk about anything? Yes, actually. I, uh, uh, and, I know we talk about stuff going on in Facebook groups sometimes. Um, the other day, I there was well, it was the same poll but in two different groups, um, and it was um, 
just to sort of get an idea of where it, it two different like women only groups um uh-oh you're taking it out of the women only <laughs> sphere of life bringing it before everyone um crossing boundaries here <laughs> are the admins gonna ban you no they none, none of them probably listen to this i doubt it Okay, um. <laughs> you want to take that chance. Anyways, um, but it was just, it was a poll just to get an idea of where, like, everyone stood on, like, male, female, creaturehood, whatever. Um, so the different options that you could choose on the poll were, um, if you were a feminist, an egalitarian, a thin complementarian, a thick complementarian, or patriarchy. Um, and then, like, she gave definitions in the comments. Do you want me to read all the definitions? Um, Sure. Okay. So, I, I just think it's funny that a women's group would, would refer to complementarian as either thin or thick. Just seems like a I don't know women are 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 more well are more what uh, <laughs> gosh my throat is so dry jeez no it just makes me think of like um uh what what do you call it I'm trying to think of the right term for it and I can't think of the words but they are more concerned about their bodies. That's what I'm trying to say. Self-conscious? Like, yeah, yeah. There you go. Self-conscious about their bodies. And so I just think it's funny that they use the term like thick and thin instead oh. of like light and heavy or something. I, I don't know. It just sounds like something that would be referring to bodies. Well, Anyways. it's funny because actually on the actual poll, it's it's complementarian light and complementarian heavy. But in the definitions, okay. she's if for some reason she changed it to thin and thick. Oh, okay. Um, well, sorry, that was a stupid rabbit trail. <laughs> I'll shut up so that you can Anyways, um, so these definitions, I don't think she particularly got them from any specific place. Um, but anyways, so feminist was defined as... Uh, Women viewed as being created naturally with better attributes of intuition, sensitivity, empathy, and complexity, therefore exhibiting a more holistic and valid approach to life than men generally. Egalitarian was men and women were created with equal dignity, worth, and value, and to fill equal roles in all spheres of life, regardless of gender. Thin complementarian was men and women were created with equal dignity, worth, and value, to complement each other with men being created with authority in the home and, and specific men being called to ordained offices and offices in the church. Thick complementarian was, excuse me, men and women were created with equal dignity, worth and value to complement each other with husbands being created with authority in the home, specific men being called to ordained offices in the church and outside the home and church, men naturally being uh, created to lead with women naturally being created as helpers slash azers. And then patriarchy, oh, excuse me, I just sniffed in the microphone. Um, 
Does it smell good? <laughs> I, I don't know. It didn't smell anything. Uh, the patriarchy was, uh, there is an inherent uh, disparity between male and female such that men have a uh, physiological and sociological superiority to women. Well, yeah, because Adam's or because Eve sinned. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that was a joke, guys. <laughs> I'm um, not a part of the patriarchy. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Sorry that that concept um, is just so um, laughable to me. So some someone added another one, which was complementarian, medium, or regular, um, which is like in between thin and thick, curvy complementarian. Light and heavy, whatever. Um, which was that men and women were created with equal dignity, worth, and value um, to complement each other. Um, men being created with authority in the home, and specific men called uh, to ordained offices in the church. Um, but that, um, not all. Like outside of home and church, men don't have authority over women. Um, unless obviously you have a man as your boss, then he would have authority over you. But um, just naturally. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, and that would... That was the one that I chose. I'm a medium, I guess. Five foot three complementarianism. There you go. I am. I'm five foot three, basically. Technically, I'm in between three and four, but anyways. That's why they're halves. <laughs> um, but someone had commented and said that they were like in between egalitarian and light complementarian because they're because they're not uh, wow because they're not a hundred percent sold that husband headship in the home equals authority um and then you know people like that and said that they agreed with that and i was i was like hmm you know i'd never never heard anyone take that viewpoint before it was very interesting and then thinking mm-hmm. about it later i was like well if headship doesn't mean authority then what does it mean yeah um so i went to the place that has the answers it's called the bible um, oh, I thought you meant Google. <laughs> and uh, I specifically went to Ephesians because um, th- this is what came to mind. Ephesians chapter 5, um, starting at verse 22. I'll read it. Uh, this is out of the NASB. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, 
so also the wives ought to be subject to their husbands and everything. Um, so this obviously doesn't use the word authority, mm-hmm. but be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Mm-hmm. The Lord has authority over us and the Lord has authority over the church as Christ also is the head of the church. Yeah, it it doesn't have the word authority, but it has the other side of the coin, subjection. Right. Like which means that there is an authority. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So But I I think the hesitation is just that word for a lot of people. Okay. Um because it it seems that the word authority tends to come with a lot of baggage. Mm -hmm. Like I think some people think of like abusive relationships when they hear the word authority. Okay. And obviously if a man is using his authoritative position to abuse a woman, that's wrong. That's mm-hmm. not what Paul is talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not the kind of headship that he's talking about. And he even says that husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but headship and authority go hand in hand. Yeah. Like you can't have one without the other. Yeah, like, I mean, even in the, even if you put it in a different context of like a, uh, yeah, like a job, the head of the company has authority over everyone else. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, he delegates that authority, but then the people that he delegated to have authority that was given to them Mm -hmm. by the head. And yeah, I mean, I think... You know, like you said, it does have a lot of baggage. There's lots of things that um, we kind of think of. Um, but I actually think that those definitions were really well written. Um, when you had mentioned that this is what you wanted to talk about for the podcast, um, I'm, uh, I I didn't really, you know, I had some ideas of, of kind of what I wanted to say, but... I feel like those definitions actually said a lot of what I already wanted to say because it said that um, men and women are of equal dignity, value, value and worth. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's kind of the the point where we often get lost because we think if someone has authority over someone else that they are intrinsically more valuable than someone else. You know, again, if, if we use the analogy of a company, often we think you know, rest in peace, but Steve Jobs was the head of Apple. And so he's more important than anyone else who works at Apple. Right. Um, so that analogy doesn't carry over because, um, that's not the case. And I mean, what if no one else worked for Apple? Obviously they, they like, obviously he is just as a human, he is just as important as any other human. Um, just for that organization. Anyways, the, again, that's where this analogy breaks down. 
what I'm saying is that in in the case of the husband wife relationship, mm-hmm. they have equal dignity, worth, and value. Right. Um, just because the man has have, headship yeah. and authority does not mean that he is worth more. Does right. not mean that. Um, it doesn't mean that he's smarter. It doesn't mean that right. that he her role as the helper isn't of less importance. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I also think of you know the relationship of, um, of um, Jesus and the Father. You know, like while while he was here in his human form, he was subject to the father, submitting to the father, excuse me. Um, and a lot of times, I think also just that word in our culture, submission, mm-hmm. is a trigger word. Yep. Um, but, it shouldn't, especially in uh, the Christian circles, should not be a trigger word, mm-hmm. should not be a bad word. Right. Like Christ was submissive to the Father in his human form. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. what better example do you need? <laughs> and obviously, like, he wasn't of less importance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, it definitely does have a lot to do with our culture and our ideas of authority um, and how, it's funny, I read another book, right? <laughs> um, earlier this year, the one by Al Mohler, The Conviction to Lead one, mm. it talked about how our culture is just uncomfortable with authority mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. Um, people are often uncomfortable being an authority and people are uncomfortable having an authority over them. There's just this um, per- pervasive idea of autonomy that we have um, that's self-destructive. If I can um, even kind of roll this back into that book that I've been reading <laughs> by Schaefer, um, he talks about, you know, like I'd mentioned, kind of the um, things that we experience as humans that we can't explain um, outside of having a personal infinite God. Um, and one of those is our our absolute need to communicate mm. with other humans. We need human connection. Amen. Um, and there is no other. I know that being a stay-at-home mom. There is no <laughs> other thing that exists outside of humanity that needs that. What else needs connection? Um, what else needs communication? What else needs language? Um, what else needs a relationship with anything else? And again, the only answer we can we can come to, unless you believe that everything is meaningless, but again, that's a self-defeating idea. You don't live that way. Um, the only conclusion we can come to is that God communicates as well. And that it only makes sense if he is a trinity and mm-hmm. he is re- in relationship with himself. Right. And out of that, he created humanity um, to be to have relationship as well. So, anyways, um, a bit of a rabbit trail, but just that to say is that we are um, just the idea of autonomy and being um, like wanting 
alienation from everyone else because we don't want anyone to say what is right or wrong. We want to we want to determine that for ourselves. We don't want authority placed above us, which I would argue is self-defeating because we actually don't want to be alienated from everyone else. We actually do want connection. And in order right. to have um, those relationships, you need to have um, some sort of hierarchy. Now, obviously, you can have peers, um, but you need that connection with someone else. And if you have two people that are completely autonomous, mm -hmm. you're never going to have connection. Um, that connection is going to deteriorate. You need to have a an authority that would unite the two. That being God. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, philosoph my, my brain is wired now of like, what's the underlying philosophy <laughs> between these ideas, you know, that yeah. are just pervasive, that we just take for granted, that are fairly modern, mm -hmm. that are not the way that, that everyone has always thought, um, that are not the way that most of humanity has ever thought. Um, so, sorry taking that down a rabbit trail except to say that yeah i think that people in our culture are generally uncomfortable with authority so it is yeah, it is difficult definitely. to kind of parse this out in a way that is biblical and god glorifying when we are so averse to having authority when we are averse to stepping into the role of authority and when we frankly have lots of examples of people uh being abusive with their authority um, so I get it. I get why it's difficult, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't hash it out and right. we shouldn't seek to like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> like there is obviously a, uh, an authority that God places authority headship, um, in the, the husband. Mm -hmm. Um, and that said also, uh, I, I think the definition did well to say that it is between husbands and wives, like men do not have authority over women husbands right. have authority over wives right because the church elders and pastors have authority over their flock right yeah. right yeah so and it's a yeah the the beautiful thing about it is that it's a loving authority right it's not a as Christ loved the church. Exactly. And again, come back to philosophy, it's not an autonomous authority. It's not an authority that makes its own rules. It's an authority that is stewarded, that is given to you by God to follow God's commands. So like, it's not like you're just pulling stuff out of your butt <laughs> and telling your wife to do it because you're a freaking jerk. If that's, if that's what you're doing, because that's not what God's calling you to do, man. He's calling you to, to sacrifice, to die the way that Jesus loved the church. Amen. So, I don't know, we could, there's a lot that comes into that, and I don't feel fully qualified outside of the fact that I've been married for eight years <laughs> um, to talk about it. Well, yeah, there's, there are a lot of little facets within that that we could hit um but that would be more of a series than an episode <laughs> yeah definitely definitely so we'll just stop there <laughs> deal i mean uh 
No, I make the decision. <laughs> we'll stop there. Make me a sandwich, woman. Do you agree? I mean, no, you have to agree. Because I'm the authority. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, oh, my goodness. I don't know what's up with my throat. You know the look I would give you if you ever tried to pull something like that. It would be that look of like when someone... Um, pushes their glasses down slightly and then looks above their glasses at you. It'd be like that, except without glasses. <laughs> mm, come again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, I gave my recos books. 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 All the books. <laughs> And I haven't, it's crazy. I haven't been like reading like crazy. I mean, I guess, I, uh, obviously, I mean, I'm reading through stuff. Obviously. I just feel like th- those are the things that I have kind of continuously come back to. And that has been like my mind has been thinking about. And also, I don't want this to turn into a video game podcast because you don't care. <laughs> so um, I would I'm not really going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, ooh, Recos. Um, I've actually been listening to the Bible, just the, um, just the Bible app. Mm-hmm. The message. <laughs> That's not a Bible. Oh, um, hey. hey juked them. <laughs> um, just the little Bible app that. Just you just press play, and I don't know who it is that reads it, but he reads it to you. Um, and yeah, I've just been listening to it, and I've been actually really surprised at what I have been able to like pick up that I didn't notice before. Oh, from listening, something there that wasn't there before. I like that. I like that movie. The Bible? No. You were quoting Beauty and the Beast. What? There may be something there that wasn't there before. No. Yes, that's what you're doing. I was talking about the Bible, woman. Okay, whatever. Well, I do like the Bible. Um. <laughs> so, yeah. If you're like me and you're just sort of running around all day with kids... Listening to the Bible has been pretty cool. There are different voices for different translations, right? I don't know. Now, what translation are you using? NASB. The NASB. It's read by a dude. That's NASB. Anyways. <laughs> um, but another <laughs> You're a NASB woman? Oh gosh. Another Reco. Um is, oh, hopefully I can find it. I can't remember the name of it. So I have like Netflix pulled up trying to find it so I can. Johnny it. Rotten. Um, I have, I've been watching Rotten, but that's not what I was going to recommend. Um, oh, gosh. oh, it's called, it's a documentary. It's called um, Treasures from the Wreck of the Unbelievable. It's pretty cool. Flippin' awesome. Um, I think they need to work on that name. 
Treasures from the Wreck of the Unbelievable. I think I fell asleep halfway through it. <laughs> I don't think you would fall asleep watching it. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, they like, there was this artist who, I can't remember his name, but like, suit what? I'm just thinking of Rhett and Link. We watched an episode today and there was a fartist. Oh gosh. Anyways, um, yeah, I can't remember this artist's name, but like super we'll duper rich, like Crentist. His, I can't even think. Stop. I can't even get out a full sentence. I'm sorry. I'm, I keep falling asleep. Treasures in the wreck of the unbelievable. <sighs> yes. Anyways. You should watch it. It's cool. I'm done talking. No, what happened? There was an artist. <laughs> he funded this exposition. Expedition. Es- expedition. Thank you. I can't talk. Um, and it was off the coast of East Africa, an East African coast. Anyways. Um, and yeah. I miss those rains. He saw a video of a guy that like pulled this like gold art piece out of the water, like out of one of his fishing nets. And so he went there just to sort of like research it and see what it was. And, and so what do then you mean he by got gold a, art piece. It was like, it was like a gold monkey. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like a statue. Yeah. Okay. But it was cool. small. Yeah. Um, and, so he like got a team together, like divers and whatnot, just to go see what else was down there. Um, and they ended up finding a treasure trove of things. And it's just really cool. Like they're just pulling these like huge like statues out of the water and an abundance of like gold pieces from like, and all, all this stuff was from like first or second century Rome. Whoa. Yeah. And so. Dang. Yeah. It it was, it was really, really cool. It was really, really cool. Hmm. So I recommend watching that if you're interested in like shipwrecks and treasure, stuff like that. Expositions. (laughs) If you miss the rains down in Africa. Shut up. <laughs> Dang it, now I have that song in my head. Oh, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Toto. Miss the rain down. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Pull it together. <laughs> Pull it together. Okay. Okay. I'm back. We're back. Oh, we're back. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah, those are my recos. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is it, Doctor Pimple Popper? That one too. Oh yeah, I actually haven't watched them. Ugh. I want to. Um, is that what it's called? I don't remember. 
I'm sure if you just search doctor and pimple, then you'll find it. I'm going to look it up on YouTube right now. Apparently, there is this physician who decided to start making YouTube videos where she, like, pops pimples and drains cysts. I love stuff like that. And, like, ugh. It's so satisfying to watch. I know. um. Yes, it's just the getting there is so nasty. Okay, if it were just... It is Dr. Pimple Popper. Well, there you go. Her name is Dr. Sandra Lee, a.k.a. Dr. Pimpler. Pimple Popper. And she's beautiful. Pimple Pops. Pots. Mrs. Pops. Corn Pops. Um... Oh my gosh, this dude it, has a huge cyst on no, his face. No, no, um, If it were just like normal pimples. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Bunch of like green goop. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad the iPad is not. It's, it's just facing your way. And now watch, watch. It's I'm not even watching the video. Finish, it's just the thumbnail. We're going to finish this podcast and then you're just going to go sit on the couch and watch these videos for half an hour. Probably. Golly gee no, willikers. <laughs> um, no, so yeah, okay. What I was saying is if it were just normal size pimples, maybe a little big and they actually like popped, you know, then that will oh, stop making faces. <laughs> Then I would totally get it. Like, that is very satisfying. But when it's, like, enormous and what comes out is, like, moldy spaghetti, <laughs> it, it that's freaking gross. Like, I don't know, man. Ugh, it, it's crazy what your it is. body can do, develop. Yeah, through infection. I mean, it's, ugh. Anyways. So, yeah, check out YouTube if you want to watch cysts being burst yeah, open. Yeah, if you're a disgusting human being like me and enjoy <laughs> stuff like that. I, I don't mean it like that. I just, <laughs> ugh. It is too much. Anyways. It is funny because we were watching that episode of Good Mythical Morning, and you were just like freaking out the whole time, and I'm just like, because we're eating so dinner, awesome. we're freaking eating, <laughs> and they're just, and again, yeah, if it's like the smaller ones, okay, I'm I'm cool with that, no big deal. It's it's the it's the huge, ugh, ugh. yeah. Also, bot fly videos. Yeah, see, those are much more satisfying. Because of the because of how they like pop out, and because of how difficult it is to get out. So when and they then when they do, show you how big they are by yeah. the, comparing them to a coin, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, it's yeah. crazy. So what it's a bot crazy. fly? If you don't know what a bot fly is, it's this it's this fly that will lay eggs. Doesn't it lay eggs in the air? Right? No, 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 no. It, it doesn't need to actually get on you. Um, to lay its eggs. Okay. No, if I remember Regardless. correctly, the I can't remember exactly where it lays its eggs, but how ha- but how it gets on you usually is um 
a mosquito will pick it up okay. somehow. There you go. And then land on you, and the heat from your body heat when mm-hmm. it lands on you will like make it hatch basically. Yep. And then it immediately just drills into your skin, and you know it eats its way inside your skin. So this tiny, tiny little bug burrows. That's the right word. Yeah, it burrows, burrows. into your skin, so you don't know what's there. Whatever, and gradually it just keeps eating and eating and eating until it becomes this basically maggot looking thing that looks like an upside down pyramid like Mm -hmm. a circular it looks like Like a a screw yes yeah like a screw that that is like really fat at the top and then drills down into kind of the thinness because its Um, head is like down in you and it breathes through its anus which stays at the surface of the skin for it to breathe. Yeah. Sorry, this is... <laughs> I don't know why we're explaining this. The, because Y'all are all probably like, you need to know. this is so disgusting. You need to know. The bot fly. Be careful. They're indigenous to South America. <laughs> Be careful out there. Shut up. That was a jab at me. A little bit. Because I cried the first time I ever watched one of those videos. Because <laughs> I was confused. Hmm. Anyways. Because we're in the south. <laughs> of North America. Anyways. We're close to South America. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And it freaked me out. Uh, you never know. It could. And often, like, they will, in the videos, they'll be on people's scalp, which is crazy. I think, wasn't the one that we watched, it was, like, on their back, right? There were, like, three of them on their back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one was crazy, where they just had, like, taped up their back in order to... To suffocate the fly. Mm-hmm. So it had to, like, dig its way back out yeah. slightly. So then you just grab on it and yank it. Oh, see, these are so much more satisfying <laughs> than freaking cysts. I know this is weird. Okay, so I'm sure we sufficiently grossed out everyone. Um, awesome. Awesome. You know, we always, we got the best podcasting materials. These videos are long. Oh, gosh. They're like 37 minutes to okay. train a cyst. Oh, jeez. I, I don't think I would want to watch something for that long. But I would have to, because I, I would have I'd to get the satisfying ending of it all being out. At all, ever. Whew. Okay, you have any more records? <laughs> <laughs> Ones that don't involve infection. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about this. All I can think of is, man, I miss the rains. <laughs> down in Africa. <laughs> Why? Why? Because <laughs> I wanted to get it stuck in your head. <laughs> You're horrible. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're done. I think yeah. we're done for the night. Mm-hmm. It's late. Thank and you, we're Marcia. obviously delirious. Obviously. <laughs> Can't even think straight. But bot flies, you guys. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if you want to contact us for any reason whatsoever. To tell us we're disgusting. Yeah. You can do that. Whatever. On Twitter, you can tweet at us. Our uh, handle is at 
so underscore talk to me. Or you can shoot us an email at so talk to me podcast at gmail.com. Till next week. Well, I don't know. Talk to you then. So go find someone to talk to. Go talk to your spouse. If you're married, you should be talking to your spouse. Yeah. Watch us this video together. Oh, and gosh. then talk about it. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> go listen to Toto. Or don't. Please don't do that either. <laughs> Just don't do anything we say. <laughs>